podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and my God, have I wanted to say this for a very long time. It is time <laughs> to preview the K-State-Stanford game. Grant, how long have you been waiting to talk about an actual game? Really long time. Um, probably about as long as the Texas game, since we previewed the Texas game. That's that's probably about how long it's been. But uh, super excited, never th- thought i th- i just you know i thought we'd be spiraling into some dystopian zombie world at this point and it's nice to have some some uh some normalcy back so and you know what we're on the verge of traveling to a neutral site venue which i haven't done in a quite some time and i know there's been a lot of bitching about it this week but uh, i'm really excited i'm really excited i've never seen a game in jerry world i don't care if it's one quarter empty or i mean <laughs> full more like one quarter full. Um, well, I mean, I'm super I, excited. I think, I think it's going to end up. I, I I'm betting announced attendance is going to end up being thirty five thousand, which is just under half fine. full. And yes, Jerry World can get up to like one hundred five if they do standing room, yada yada yada. Whatever, I don't care about that. And honestly, maybe we'll touch about on that in the uh, breakdown of what it means and what we'll be looking for. Because again, I've kept track. Ever since this started, I said in a different group chat, I said to a friend, I bet by the time the game kicks off, there will be 12 legitimate meltdowns over this. Yes. I've kept track. And for, for just reference, I've, I've used K-State Online message board and Twitter. And if it happens simultaneously, that's just one. But there have been 12 distinct kind of meltdowns about this game since it first was getting rumored like three, four years ago. Um so it's awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, before we get into it, I have a great beer of the pod, and it is sponsored by Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use to talk to me, Grant, other fans, athletes, insiders. And honestly, I think for folks not going to the game, it would be perfect for a real-life watch party. You can do debates, post-game breakdowns, which we're definitely going to do during basketball season, and reacting to breaking news, which we did during conference realignment. It's a free app that you can download in your Apple iOS or Android app store. Just link it with your Twitter account, and you're good to go. We will be going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. in God's time zone. You can join us and let your voice be heard. So I know I, I think you have water. Oh, go ahead. Can I guess your beer? I saw you drinking it. I didn't see any can, but yeah, I want to get There's zero chance you're going to get it, but that's fine. Zero chance? Oh, okay. I, I was, would bet my life. I would well, bet my life. Then I have no idea, but I, I was going to I bet you down. 12 cents. 12 cents. <laughs> I won't take that bet because you've already made it very clear that I'm not going to guess this right. Yeah, but what I was going to guess the Hawaiian Pizza Party Tiki IPA. That's what it looks like. No, uh, it's actually a triple IPA from uh, a bonehead, actually, Nathan, up in the Northeast. He Good sent bonehead. me down some uh, – he sent me down eight beers. I'm going to send them – uh, eight beers back from Kansas City, but it's uh, actually called 
Donsky. It's a triple New England IPA, uh, 10.5% alcohol ABV, and it is insanely smooth and juicy. So it's like a trip. Like I'm only going to have one because 10.5 is insane. That's super good. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. So let's, all right, here, here's my question. Do you want to talk? Cause I, our show is kind of uh, the mix between K-State Twitter, putting stuff on podcasts, yada, yada, yada. You want to talk about just final time we're ever going to touch on the recent meltdown about moving this game. Do you want to touch on it here or down into what it means segment? We can touch on it now. All right, let's touch on it now. Um, here, here's my question to you, because again, I, I don't know why I'm surprised, but we've known for a while, ever since the 11th meltdown, which was early in the summer when the news was coming out that tickets were being like, it was slow and people were coming to the realization of like, all right, we're probably not going to have 50,000 fans at this game. Um, so I guess my question to you, cause you even said on Twitter that you were even starting to get swayed a little bit. Here's my question. Why, why are people like, Oh, okay. Let's melt down about it again. Like they just feel like they wanted to. I just don't, I, I just, I guess out of all the times people have melted down, this is the one that caught me off guard. Um, just for the record, I was being a little tongue in cheek. I, oh, I've, okay. I'm just fully like, I do still fully support the move. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it's cause we're getting closer to game time and people are getting more nervous about losing and they want that extra crowd edge. I think, I think the stupid thing that I'm saying the most is like, um, that it was just more of a cash grab, but that's a very valid reason considering what happened in 2020 and what is happening recently with realignment and, you know, the amount of money you made a good point on Twitter, which I agreed with um, the amount of money that we're going to be losing now, you know, annually. And I, I don't really get it. I, I just feel like it, we are beyond beating a dead horse and it's annoying. I I'm very excited. I hope we win because then it'll kind of be on the back burner. If we lose, then people will continue to kind of bitch about it, even though like that winning or losing this game, it has little to do with where it's being played. Um, and also here, here's another thing when it comes to and we're, the whole topic. Sorry. Yeah, 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 go yeah, ahead. Sorry, because I'm not going to pretend that the home field advantage is going to be uh, as good in Arlington as it would be in Bill Snyder Family mm-hmm. Stadium, but – here's the thing it's not like it's going to be a truly neutral it'll be a k-state lean crowd so like if, if you're trying by to, a wide margin yes if you're trying it's... to like come up with a okay what how many points difference like you know the whole adage is like oh home field advantage is worth three points right so even if, if we say that's true if we say home field advantage is worth three points which even at K, I, I I don't even know if it's worth three points at K State anymore or not. But it's like okay, what we're about to experience, what is it? One and a half. I mean, it's definitely still a net positive for K State. Um, so I, I guess I'm just kind of confused why everyone's worked up. Because also, here's the other thing: Chris Kleiman has said it multiple times. He's super excited for it. The players are super excited for it. Like, I, I think fans are like over the top being selfish trying to be like oh yeah fuck them for moving this game when it is something that the team is loving they are loving going down there mm-hmm. for this game i totally agree and it will a hundred percent be like an enormous k-state percentage advantage in terms of fans there's probably going to be literally no neutral fans there like there might be in any other year for this game you know dallas 
just like a Dallas sports guy wanting to catch an elite college football game. It's going to be mostly K-State fans. I can't imagine there's going to be a large contingency of Stanford fans. And the fans that are going to be in the building are going to be going batshit crazy because they made the effort to travel across state lines, a lot of them, to go to this game. And a lot of these people haven't been to a game in quite some time. So I think the anticipation and, you know, the overall energy and uh, level of the crowd is going to be very, very good. Even if it is 20,000 K-State fans, that's like a pretty decent amount of uh, K-State fans are, are going to be there. They're going to be locked in. They'll be motivated. I, I, I think we'll still have a pretty big like crowd advantage. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. But if they I lose, love... those people on Twitter yeah. are going to have a fucking heyday. They can. Go right ahead. That, they, I mean, whatever. That, that type of shit happens all the time, and that doesn't make them any more right. So... It is what it is. I say we we move on and go beat Stanford, and we won't ever have to talk about it again. Until we until the next again. time, yeah. and we move another game, which is happening. Clement said they would like to do it again. Again, here's the other thing, and I'm sorry. There's like an insane glare that I cannot fix. Yeah, that looks like some um, uh, like really bad Snapchat filter. Yeah, sorry. Um, so hey, it's your fault. We were supposed to do this in, in person, but you have to be sorry. bad, stupid shit. All right, so here let's just get into because uh, he did say he wants to do it again. I, I I'll be interested if they could ever pull it off because I don't know if the schedule will allow it, but we'll, we'll see. Let's move into his press conference. Um, he he let it off uh, actually saying that they had a mock game on Saturday. Uh, said the team is full speed ahead uh, for a normal game week. They're ready to hit someone else again. This is like the most basic stuff. Like even going back to yeah. like middle school. One of the final like practices before you get into game week, you always do the like fake run through. Hey, this is how you run through the tunnel. Hey, this is our pregame warm up. Hey, this is all type of stuff. So it just kind of interesting where he's like, yeah, he just like straight up said it. And I don't think, uh, I don't think he meant anything of it, but it's like the most like basic, oh, hey, this is football thing in the world. Um, Kleiman says he thinks that you're going to see. Uh, Stanford running the football at you, even though that isn't what they did last year. He said it's not. He's not sure if it's going to be jumbo formations, more spread out, but they're going to have to stop them, and they're going to see different looks. It'll be a long day if we don't stop the run. I agree with him there. I think he's playing a little coy. Tell me if you think if you agree with him. That he's unsure, but I think the fact that they listed the Sam linebacker with Will Jones and uh, Hennington mm-hmm. that means like he's pretty confident they're going to be in big packages most of the game. Otherwise, I think you would have seen the nickel show up on the depth chart. Do you think he's just trying to play dumb? <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, if you look back in, like, 2016, they were very run heavy. Like, 60% of the time they ran into the ball. Last year, they passed 53% of the time. So, I'm not sure. Uh, I think a lot of things that coaches stay on the podium are, like, literally pointless to even try to dissect but um but hey that's our I, first I think that so we're clearly his person yeah clearly his personnel that has been you know listed this week kind of expects a run heavy type of team and that is like that is more so their dna that uh, shaw has kind of built the program upon um and maybe they didn't do that last year just because they didn't have the type of bodies that they wanted for that but i i don't know i I'm starting to, the closer we get, and this will shock you, the closer we get, the more nervous I'm getting for this game. But, and I still think we're going to win, but I just think that everyone thinks that Stanford is going to be some dog shit team. 
because they lost a decent chunk of players. But for some reason, people are looking at last season and last season's roster for Stanford, and you know they're using that as some sort of measuring stick and not doing that for anyone else. Like I'm not doing that for anyone. We don't do it for Iowa state. We don't do it for K state. Why are we doing it for Stanford? I think, you know, it's a David Shaw team. They're going to be, this is going to be a tough opponent. I still give us the edge, but I think it's going to be a tough opponent and I'm ready. I'm ready to get in that fucking building. I think it's, I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, And this is just, uh, if, if coach Kleiman sticks to it, we're going to see, more rotation than we ever have on the defensive line. He said a ton of guys are ready to play on the defensive line. Singled out Felix and DK saying that he had a great body of work from the spring and summer, also really changing his body, but he parlayed that into saying they're going to play eight, nine, ten guys on on the defensive line to keep those guys going fresh. Um, You and I have kind of like railed on Coach Kleiman a little bit for how much they rotate. And I was not a fan of how often they took White Hubert out of the game. That said, we don't have a White Hubert this year. So right. if we're doing eight, nine, ten guys, especially on the defensive line, I think I'm all right with that. Would Would you be cool playing ten guys on the defensive line? Here's what, actually, let me rephrase it. Do you actually think they have ten dudes who are capable of playing on the defensive line? Ten, probably not. Um... Eight, Maybe probably. though. I mean, I think, ten. It's possible that they could find some sort of package for all ten of those guys to get on the field, but I don't think we'll like regularly see a rotation that hits ten deep. I could see eight, um, and young guys like Matt Lack coming in for like specific, you know, game scenarios. Uh, but I don't know. It does sound pretty damn deep, though. Um, it seems like we've got a lot of athleticism on the D line especially on the edges, which is really exciting. I can't wait to see Ana DK play. Uh, there's so much fucking hype out of him, and it's just – it's exciting. I'm very excited to see him play. Yeah, either him or Khalid Duke are going to go off this season, and I can't wait to see which one it's going to be. Um, he was specifically asked about kind of the changes on the defense. He goes, new faces, renewed confidence on defense, that they're bigger and stronger – that doesn't mean they're going to be any better on defense still need to tackle well and execute the game plan. I'm a little nervous because he was talking about how uh, little live tackling they got to do in the off season. Cause they experienced some concussions early on in uh, fall practice or spring ball, whatever, or summer ball, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we were one of the worst tackling teams in FBS last year. Yeah. Where is your level of confidence that they're going to be, marginally to exceptionally better tackling or is that going to be something that we're going to come on here multiple Sundays and be like, fuck still. Yeah. I mean, we've struggled uh, tackling. I think that might be the worst thing in the climbing era defenses is pure. We have struggled in the last two seasons tackling and yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. I think tackling has probably gotten worse across the board and I don't have any evidence to support that other than the fact that, we statistically know we are bad at tackling, but it does kind of feel like it's gotten a little bit sloppier, particularly last year. But again, it's tough to really pull anything out of last year with, you know, so little prep and not a lot of in-person um, tackling last year. So um, I'm definitely worried about it, but we, I don't know, man, in the secondary, I don't worry about it in the secondary. I feel like that's where most of our talent is and there's a lot of experience there. Um, Although Iowa fans said Julius Brents isn't good at tackling, so. Well, 
we shall see. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he has found himself in purple. We'll see though. Um, I don't know. I know who is a good tackler. I think J Mac is one of the most underrated tacklers on the team. Um, Over we'll see. under three I, and I a think... half force fumbles for J Mac this year. Ooh, three and a half slot, two and a half. Over I can only remember. Yeah, that would be insane if he got over three and a half. Um, how many did he have last year? I can only remember I think two. when he popped that guy. I think he was credited with two. Does he get to three this year? J-Mac is that guy, that that uh, recruit that you recruit on uh, like NCAA as like, you know, the safety or the secondary guy that is labeled as hard hitter. There's hard hitter. What is the other one? I can't remember, but I, I can't remember either. Speed, something about back. speed. It's something about speed. There's run stopper. There's the run stopper uh, middle linebacker that you can recruit. But uh, I think um, we'll see. We'll have to see. I, I I would expect that our tackling isn't going to be like astronomically better, but I'll take, I hope I'm wrong. I'll take minimally better. I will too, right, uh, yes. Yep, then Kleiman kind of got to the question about, you know, moving this game. He said it's going to be great for the players. Uh, they're so pumped to play in the same in Arlington's side. They still have seven home games for the great fans reiterated. The players are pumped about it. Said he would look into playing a game like this again, uh, being able to do it in front of a big alumni base or a, or a recruiting base makes sense. Said you also have to have it make sense with the home slate. I get it. Fun fact. No, know what I looked up, Do you know, Clemson's only playing six home games this year and they moved that game with Georgia to North Carolina. Cause Clem- Clemson thinks big. I mean, I'm just saying, I get like, it. It's it's not fucking wild, and we still have seven home games. Like whatever, I yeah, I don't. Keep I, moving on, it's it's, it's another not detail doing. about another detail about this, which is um, I don't think should be overlooked, is that you know guys like Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn has eighty four friends and family now that get to come and see him play live in this game, which and that wouldn't be able to happen. That wouldn't happen if he was playing in Manhattan, and that's also that, wouldn't you know, happen if he was playing at. Austin or Texas Tech or any of those places because you only get like four tickets per right. player. So I think, you know, and that's not unique to use Vaughn. We've got some other Texas guys, but it, it allows you to say, like, look, we got an extra game in Texas this year. It's at Cowboy Stadium. All your friends and family can come see you play. And you can use that, you know, in the future as kind of like a feather in your cap. So I I get it. Like I get why people are frustrated. But it's fucking over. Just like move on, accept it. Back the boys, you know? No, I, I agree with you. Uh, said that they're going to play at least seven, maybe up to eight guys on the offensive line. Said KT Levison missed all of last week. Hope to get him back today. Here's a question for you. I, I reacted to the depth chart yesterday. KT Lev is now playing guard. He was a liability at tackle, in my humble opinion. Now he's going to be playing guard. You think that is what fixed KT Levinson? He's going to be able to be a playable piece on the offensive line at guard? Or do you think it's like, all right, you know, if you see him going out there, things aren't great? Because I have my reservations. I'm not sure. I have my reservations, too. I think he struggled a bit last year. But, you know, he was young. We had a lot of young inexperienced guys out there. And um, I mean, he's clearly, he's very athletic. So maybe it's the game starting to slow down for him a little bit. And he seemed to be getting a decent amount of praise coming out of camp. So I think we'll see. Maybe that'll, uh, being a guard will make it a little easier for him. But I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like it. I mean, he's a big dude. 
Um, if he if he can move, and apparently he's like a great basketball player, so I don't understand why he looks so unathletic on the football field. So hopefully that is like the key, moving him inside. Um, this is why I love hearing Malik uh, Knowles made a real effort to take care of his body, got bigger and stronger this offseason. And he also finally is taking over a leadership role on the team. Coach Clemens pleased with that, likes how he's brought along some of the younger guys. This actually might have been the quote slash answer that I love the most. If Malik put on like, say, five to seven pounds of pure muscle, and that is what's going to keep his body healthy, taking some of those hits and keeps him healthy all season, then all of a sudden it's like, all right, you know, you know, all your love for Malik in the predictions episode, mm-hmm. it's going to come true. Malik magic this year. Just get ready for it. Sit back, kick your feet up, get some popcorn ready, because he's going to have an, a monster season. And then, honestly, if he has a monster season, folks enjoy it because he will go pro because he has the skill. He has the raw skill to be an NFL wide receiver. So if he has that big year, just anticipate him starting his pro career. Um, he did the typical, you have to go out and beat Sanford. They're not going to let go out there and beat themselves, quote. Wrote it down. In hindsight, I think he says that about every fucking team except for KU. So shouldn't have even bothered typing that out. Said Tayton Winkle, who is going to be a freshman, is going to be the play. If forced to kick a field goal on drive one, he said he would be the uh, place kicker. Said there will be an ongoing competition at all three kicking spots. Place kicker, kickoff, and punts. Do you like knowing that all three no. spots are in open competition going to game one. I hate it. Fuck no. Hate it. I hate that. I've been secretly kind of thinking about who the fuck is going to be our kicker. Uh, we've heard basically nothing about it until now. I mean, we've heard a few things, but. Well, Zentner is hey, like competing Zentner, yes. for all three. Like, here, here's my thing. I would say, tell Zentner, if, if you believe in this freshman, Tate and Winkle, let him kick everything from 50 and in because Zentner has a leg. Tell mm-hmm. Zentner, hey, 15 beyond, you got it. Kickoffs, you got it. And then we'll have you and Bloomer switch off punts. You know, because I think Bloomer has a little bit more control. And again, if you need a big boomer, let Zentner do it. But I, w- I would say if he's confident enough in a freshman kicker to say, hey, uh, yeah. I-, I think you're the guy, just have him be the guy until he Yeah, I- I'm definitely worried about it. I'm a little um, nervous. Yeah, Legitimately I am too. nervous. We will see uh, that first time we step up to kick field goal. I'm going to be holding my breath for sure, but who knows? Maybe they're all just, you know, so good. He can't, he can't pick a favorite. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Sebastian <laughs> Taylor probably is going to have a bit of a snap count issue. He will be limited, uh, but they're confident enough in their wide receivers. I'm glad he's available. Not too worried about how many snaps he's going to play because again, Wide receiver is another spot they love to rotate. So I'm not really taking much away from that. Are you taking anything away from Chabashan kind of being having a predetermined snap count? Uh, not really. I mean, it's pretty much on track with what I've been saying for a while. I just don't have a whole lot of faith that we're going to see like a full speed Chabashan Taylor for until we're like halfway through the year. I know that he's physically. I would cleared, take that but... right now. If you told me by game six, he is up to 100%. I would take that right now because I'm, I'm worried he's not going to get there. And I also share, I share that with you. Maybe that was being a little too, I, I like, uh, I just don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to see the best of Taylor again. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Which would suck just, because I don't know if we ever really did see the best of Jurassic. Exactly. And that's why I have basically no faith that he's going to contribute a whole lot this year other than an occasional play here and there but maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong 
Um, and maybe he's better than I give him credit for, but who knows? I wish right. him the best. Yep. There's a lot of praise for Landry Weber. Uh, says he's caught everything. He's faster than he's been. Back to what he looked like in 2019, which, I mean, he made a couple actually big plays in 2019, but it's not like he was like some game breaker. Um, but the, Coach Kleiman went on to say he was battling with like four or five different injuries and was a shell of himself in 2020. He had a couple in like surgeries. And he mm-hmm. says, oh, yeah, he's like all good to go now. So, I mean, that's wild. Like what if Landry yeah. Weber became Curry Sexton? Would be huge. I mean, absolutely I love having – Love having a, a white, reliable wide receiver just come out of nowhere. That's a walk-on. Like, always well, a huge now, boost. But, but Well, he was a walk-on. Um, but, yeah, that would be enormous. Give me a guy that – I'll um, take wide receivers no matter Flies under the radar. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then the final thing that I wrote down um, that I, I was interested in just a lot of praise of the interior interior defensive line, the defensive tackles, uh, Eli, Timmy, Hence, and Pickle. I actually, if Hence is like up to it, he, he like had like a play or two last year. I was like, Oh yeah. Robert Hence, like, you know, he's a dude. Um, Pickle had more than a couple. And then, you know, Eli Huggins was solid. And then Timmy Horn captain, like, I'm almost starting to think like, Oh God, he's going to be like a third round draft pick, Timmy Horn, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm definitely drinking the Kool-Aid there. If you have four defensive linemen who you are confident in defensive tackles, that, that, that is the one spot probably on defense where you need to be that deep, that the rotation makes sense. Yeah. Where's your confidence level at when you look at that foursome? Like if you're rating it one to 10, 10 being like, Oh God, we got, you know, four NFL guys. One or like, Oh man, that's the uh, <laughs> junction city JV. Where do you land on that spectrum? I think they'll be really solid. Um, we know what kind of, you know, talk has been coming out about Timmy Horn, and I think people have high expectations for him, but Team I do Captain really like – Timmy Horn. Which is – yeah, that says a lot um, just about his motivation, his leadership skills. So I really like Eli Hintz and particularly Pickle. Um, I think they showed a lot last season that, you know, they can – really dictate that line of scrimmage at times. And they have, I think they have a lot of room to improve too. So, I, I mean, I feel good about it. I, th- I think all four of those guys can come in at any given time and create good pressure. So I'm excited. I think our line is going to be, our line has potential, you know, to be really, really nasty. I will say this. We're going to have to bring in transfers at defensive tackle next year. 100%. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I mean, you're, I, I think you're, you're, you're losing Eli. You're losing Timmy. I think Hens is still around, but I'm not sure if it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, I guess you have Tyrone Tallini, who is okay in in some packages, but then it's like, all right, then you have Pickle, and it's like, oh, no. So you're going to have to bring like two or three uh, transfers next year, defensive tackle. But I'm going to enjoy that foursome this year with some cameos from Tyrone Tallini uh, this year. That's all I had from the press conferences. Uh, we're going to get into the Wildcat Roundup, which is coming back, and Game Primers. This year, they are sponsored – I shouldn't say this year. This episode, they are sponsored by Adopt, Don't Shop. If you want a furry friend and a companion for your whole family, make sure you go to one of the great shelters throughout this country and find your newest family member, Adopt, Don't Shop. 
This week, the Wildcat Roundup is given by me, Scott Wildcat, Bosco's Boys, giving a quick uh, recap of what's been going on with volleyball and soccer. The Stanford Primer is from our new friend, Hank Waddles of GoMightyCard.com. And the K State Primer is from the great Mitch Fortner, 1350 K Man, and the new PA announcer of your Kansas State football team. We will be coming back after those primers and roundups. Let's go. Let's go. This is Scott, and you know me from Bosco's Boys. Literally just two seconds ago, you probably heard me talking. Here is your quick Wildcat roundup of all the non-K-State football news going on in the athletic department. The women's soccer team is off to a super hot start, going 3-1 in their first four games. After a disappointing loss in front of a sellout crowd in their opener versus Weber State, they answered with three straight wins. An early goal versus Omaha and a clean sheet saw a win on August the 22nd. And then a thrashing at Austin PA 5-0 got them off to a very hot 2-1 start. And probably the most exciting game of the year in the final minute of the game, K-State got the win at Northern Alabama in the 90th minute with a goal by Ada Anderson. This week, they'll take that 3-1 and one record out to Colorado, where on Thursday at 8 p.m., they will be playing Denver. And then Sunday at 1 p.m. on the Mountain West Network, they are taking on Colorado State, trying to keep that hot start to the season going. Volleyball also kicked off their season this past weekend. Originally, they were supposed to have three games up in Lincoln, Nebraska, but they did not. Tulsa had a bunch of COVID, so they were stuck only playing two. Their first game versus Colgate was an exciting 3-1 win. They dropped the first set, but then came back, won uh, set two and three in a close one, and just thrashed 25-16 to in that final set. Uh, Aaliyah Carter led the team with kills in that game with 21 in what was a great game to start the season. They then had a game in front of 8,000 rabid Nebraska Cornhusker fans there, the number five ranked team in the nation, and they fought pretty hard. They got out to a very small lead in the first set, but ultimately Nebraska went on a big run, won at 25-17. They took it to extra points, uh, t- losing to Nebraska 27-25 in that second set. When they had their back up against the wall, they had a great third set, beating Nebraska 25-11. to And then it was looking like they were going to force a fifth and final set, but a long scoring drop really came back to bite them. They lost the final set 25-22. to Leah Carter had another great game there. They're going to keep their season going this Saturday out in California where they have a three-game stint in Santa Barbara, California. The first game on Friday, 5 p.m. versus Pepperdine, Saturday versus UC Santa Barbara, and then Saturday night versus San Diego State. All those games 
you can find on kstate.com where you can listen in. I don't see any TV listed. Uh, so listen in as they try to get back on the winning swing of things. A very important three-game swing out in California if they want to get back to the NCAA tournament where they belong. All right, that was the quick Wildcat Roundup. And now it's time to get into our primers once again from Hank Waddles from GoMightyCard.com doing the primer for Stanford. And doing the primer for our Kansas State Wildcats is Mitch the Fort Fortner from 1350K Man and your new K-State football PA announcer. This is Hank Waddles of GoMightyCard.com, and it's a pleasure to be here on the Bosco's Boys podcast. This will be my 35th year following Stanford football and my 12th season running my blog, GoMightyCard.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at GoMightyCard, for the latest news, game day insights, and instant reactions to what's happening on the field. One thing I always tell people is that I am not an insider. I'm just a fan who loves the Cardinal. So let's take a look at the 2021 Stanford Cardinal. Like everyone else in America, Stanford had to adapt to an unprecedented situation last fall. But even though every program in the country was navigating the same storm, they weren't in the same boat as the Cardinal. After dropping the opener at Oregon and falling at home by three points to Colorado, there were some observers who feared the Cardinal might not win a game. But even though things turned around with a narrow win over rival Cal the following week, things got worse almost immediately. COVID restrictions in Santa Clara County barred contact sports, meaning the Cardinal had to hit the road for the remaining four weeks of their already abbreviated season. After that first win in Berkeley, they flew directly to Seattle, where they stayed for the week, practicing wherever they could find an open field, and famously holding their walkthrough in a city park, dodging geese and mud puddles as they prepared to play the Huskies. They beat Washington that Saturday, then followed the same routine as they traveled to Corvallis to get a win over Oregon State, and then down to Los Angeles for a miraculous victory over UCLA, before finally returning to Palo Alto for the first time in four weeks. Stanford's 4-2 season doesn't look spectacular on paper, especially for a program that sets its sights on a conference championship each fall, but it was one of the most impressive coaching jobs David Shaw and his staff have ever put together. There was internal optimism heading into the offseason, even after quarterback Davis Mills and a few other important pieces of the offense declared for the NFL draft, but that doesn't quite match the narrative most observers are spinning right now, not just about the 2021 Cardinal, but about the state of the program in general. There's been a dip in recruiting recently, and that's led to a decline in on-field performance. The Cardinal won 82 games and three conference championships in David Shaw's first eight seasons at the helm, but then slipped to 4-8 in 2019 and didn't necessarily rise to the former standard last year. But Shaw has said repeatedly, expectations haven't changed within the program. Probably the biggest reason for the decline in 2019 was a devastating string of injuries to the offensive line, forcing several true freshmen to log significant playing time. The silver lining was that those players parlayed that unexpected experience into greater production as sophomores, and last season's offense looked much more like the Stanford offense fans had grown used to seeing. Strong run blocking and excellent pass protection. All of those young linemen are back this season, led by junior Walter Rouse and sophomore Miles Hinton, and the expectation within the program 
is that this will be one of the best units in the conference and among the best in the nation. The running game promises to be solid with a deep and versatile group of running backs led by juniors Austin Jones and Nathaniel Pete and sophomore E.J. Smith, Emmett's son, and the receivers room is just about as talented as any group we've seen at Stanford. The question mark, however, is at quarterback. The competition between senior Jack West and sophomore Tanner McKee began in the spring and extended into fall practice where it was expected to be resolved. When I spoke with Coach Shaw at Pac-12 Media Day at the end of July, I asked him directly about the quarterback competition, and he assured me that he'd announce a starter no later than the Monday before the Kansas State game. But today's Monday, and he hasn't announced a starter. Instead, the death chart that was released today says, Jack West or Tanner McKee. Here's why fans are upset about this. Jack West is a good quarterback who knows the playbook and will be able to make the plays he's asked to make. Tanner McKee, however, has the potential to be an elite quarterback. He was one of the top quarterback prospects in the 2018 recruiting class when he signed with the Cardinal, but then he served a two-year LDS mission before arriving in Palo Alto in the summer of 2020. He was expected to win the job over West, and and the fact that he hasn't has led to some of the same questions surrounding the quarterback position at Stanford that we've been hearing for quite some time. The Stanford playbook is is notoriously complex, probably more complex than some NFL offenses. Andrew Luck returned from a three-day minicamp in Indianapolis and announced that he had learned most of their offense over the weekend. There are those fans who will always be frustrated by this and will always wonder why Shaw and his staff insist on a system that forces talented quarterbacks to spend a two-year apprenticeship before taking the field. Also, there have been questions about the staff's ability to develop quarterbacks, and some fans see McKee's apparent lack of readiness as more evidence of these failures. The truth, however, is that we have no way of knowing the truth. Both quarterbacks will take snaps on Saturday, and the thing I'm most interested in watching is what type of snaps they take. Will the play calling look different depending on which players in the huddle? The old football adage says that if you have two quarterbacks, you actually don't even have one, but I don't think that's the case here. My guess is that Shaw isn't ready to commit to McKee just yet. We saw the same thing in 2012 when Kevin Hogan wasn't given the starting job until midway through the season and ended up leading the team to a Rose Bowl win. Stanford fans would like nothing better from McKee. If things go well for the Cardinal on Saturday, it will be because the running game is strong and the quarterbacks don't have to do too much. Unlike some of the best Cardinal teams of the past, this year's addition won't have a dominant defense to rely on. In fact, the defense is the area that most people agree is the biggest concern but there is hope. The great defenses of the past have all been led by dominant front sevens, sometimes a deep group of players who played well together, but sometimes through the work of individual talents who elevated those around them. Defensive lineman Thomas Booker has the potential to be that type of player, but people up and down the conference already know how good he is. The unit I'm most interested in seeing on Saturday is the linebackers. We've been hearing great things about inside linebackers Ricky Miazon and Jacob mangan Farrar. And those two could be the keys not just to the defense, but to Stanford's entire season. Booker raved about their ability to get downhill and help him disrupt things behind the line of scrimmage. Instead of being a strength, the middle of the defense has been a weakness for the Cardinal over the last few seasons, with teams routinely gashing the center of the Stanford line for big yardage or sending receivers over the middle with impunity. If that can change, expectations for this season will rise dramatically. This isn't deep analysis, even if it sounds a bit archaic. For the Cardinal to be successful on Saturday, they'll need to run the ball well on offense and stop the run on defense. It's that simple. With the uncertainty at quarterback, David Shaw and offensive coordinator 
Tavita Pritchard won't want to see third and long, and they certainly won't want to place any extra burden on a defense that doesn't have a true identity yet. The good news for Cardinal fans is that all of this is possible. The one area I'm most confident about with this team is the offensive line. I assume that they'll play well, and I'm also confident in the running backs. If the tandem of Pete and Jones can account for 150 to 175 yards, that will make everything easier for the quarterbacks. The versatility of Jones in the passing game, as well as EJ Smith and the typically solid group of tight ends, should also keep the offense on the field enough to protect the defense. This feels like a 23-19 Stanford win, and I can't wait to see it all shakes out. Once again, this is Hank Waddles of GoMightyCard.com. What's up, Bosco's boys? It's Mitch Fortner here from News Radio KMAN and 101.5 K-Rock. Also the new public address announcer for K-State football at Bill Steiner Family Stadium, but I'll also be in Arlington. You can hear me on the game from 4 to 6 along with John Kurtz. Of course, I'm on the K-Man Morning Show as well, and I'm on K-Rock from 7 to midnight. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchTheFort. So let's take it back a little bit. Let's jump back and kind of quickly go over a few storylines in the offseason. First of all, Skylar Thompson is back. That is huge. Super senior. Pro football focus loves Deuce Vaughn. Hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn more than Brees Hall. That's huge because obviously Deuce is the best running back in the Big 12. And also I think the next biggest storyline, if not the biggest, is the transfer portal and how K-State used it to obviously benefit them but to clearly fill some pretty big holes in the depth chart because you'll see a lot of those transfers on the two deep, including Tight end, Daniel Amaterbebe, wide receiver Tyrone Howell, defensive tackle Timmy Horn, who's a captain, free safety Russ Yeast, cornerback Julius Prince, and uh, I'm sure soon you'll also see on there Reggie Stubblefield at nickel. So when it comes to the COVID situation, obviously we're still dealing with the pandemic. I mean, I guess we're going to find out on Saturday who's playing and who's not. The over 80% number when it comes to vaccinated has been thrown around quite a bit. I would like to see that number a lot higher. It's too much of a window that's cracked open that uh, somebody could be out for a big game because we don't know exactly who is vaccinated and who is not. Well, last season, there were some things that went well and, well, some things that obviously didn't. K-State finished 4-6, and 4-5 and five in the Big 12, and they did have a four-game winning streak at one point, which was kicked off by beating number 3 Oklahoma in Norman. But they finished on a five-game losing streak. The injury to Skylar Thompson obviously was crucial. Will Howard, who wasn't ready, but I, I will say we did see some great things from Will, did slow down the progression of this season. Now he's going to be tutored by Skylar for another season. He's going to be second string when it comes to the quarterback depth chart. The outside expectations of this team, I would say... We'll just look at the Big 12 preseason poll, seventh in the conference. That's probably fair to say everybody outside of Manhattan, Kansas City, Wichita, and the K-State fan base and its media, yeah, would probably say seventh, a mediocre to average season for K-State. However, the inside expectations would be higher than that because there's obviously a lot of optimism that K-State can be a top five program once again in the Big 12. I'm one of them. Right now, I have K-State finishing fifth place in the conference but they could definitely exceed that. 
But with that prediction comes confidence in the offense, optimism in the defense. All right, now let's take a look at September 4th. K-State and Stanford. What is a strength for K-State in this game? How will they use it to win? Well, well, first things first, I would have to say we got to look at the offensive line, right? I would imagine that is considered, across the board, the biggest strength for K-State this season. A ton of experience. It sounds like they have a ton of depth as well. Possibly even as much as 10 guys on the offensive line could see play. Also, I truly feel that the offensive line is the most important unit on a football team. K-State is extremely fortunate to have such an experienced line like they do entering this 2021 season. Now, the weakness is the linebackers. Now, I do have confidence in Cody Fletcher, Deuce Green, but behind them is some very big question marks. So we're not exactly certain yet exactly how good the linebackers can be and if I was Stanford take advantage of the lack of experience the guys that are going to be rotating in because Stanford's going to want to run the football they weren't the best at it last year but that's probably what they do best is run the football that is Stanford bread and butter during the David Shaw era let's look at some key players for this game because I have one on both offense and defense for both teams let's start with the offense and start with K-State Malik Knowles. We got to have a good game from Malik Knowles. He is considered the leader for the wide receivers. The last couple of games for K-State last year, Baylor and Texas, Malik had some great games. Rushing the ball against Baylor and catching the ball against Texas. Does that roll into this season? Fingers crossed it does. Coach Kleiman earlier today, which this is Tuesday when this is taped, had some great things to say about Malik, his leadership, and really accepting that role in the offseason. For Stanford's offense, they're most likely going to play two quarterbacks because there's an or on the depth chart on who's going to start, Jack West and Tanner McKee. But I'm actually looking at the running back, Austin Jones. He kind of had himself a uh, Deuce Vaughn type of year where he was rushing the ball but also had a lot of success catching the football as well. He's not known for picking up huge chunky yards all the time, but he's consistent. Stanford will try to run the football down K-State's throat. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, for K-State, it's Timmy Horn, the new defensive tackle. He transfers in from Charlotte, 6'5", 321 pounds. This guy has size, and he is going to be crucial into stopping the Stanford run and also being successful in the pass rush. Plus, he's also replacing Drew Wiley, and those are some tough shoes to fill. Meanwhile, the Stanford defensive's defensive end, Thomas Booker, he is a team captain as well. So he's on the end, so he's a great pass rusher. Meanwhile, the whole Stanford pass rush, that is going to be a challenge, I do believe, for the K-State offensive line. They know how to get home on sending four guys, but he is the leader on that pass rush there on the edge. The most important thing K-State has to do to win this game is establish the running game. Stanford's rush defense last year was terrible, 112th in the country. They were giving up 222 yards on the ground a year ago. They allowed more rushing yards Then receiving yards, K-State has to take advantage of that, especially with the weapons they have. Of course, hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn leads that effort. But Skyler's back. He's going to run the football. Plus Joe Irvin, Jacardier Wright, DJ Giddens. There is depth in the running game for K-State football. My prediction, the Cats will start the season 1-0 and bring home a win from Arlington. Final score, K-State 30, Stanford 24. A big thank you to Mr. Wildcat for inviting me once again to lay a fresh coat of primer on Bosco's boys. And I hope I get to meet you down in Arlington in just a few days. Again, I'm Mitch Fortner from News Radio KMAN and 1015 K Rock. Follow me on Twitter at Mitch the Fort. It's always a pleasure to stop by on Bosco's boys and go cats.
Thank you again to myself, uh, Mr. Waddle and Mitch Fortner for those great, great primers and Wildcat Roundup. Again, uh, we're bringing back Wildcat Roundup uh, because we had some folks reach out about it, and I'm actually legitimately excited about the volleyball and soccer team this year, so I want to give a little taste of it. Uh, And I really think if you have ESPN+, Plus, especially once it gets to conference play, both those teams are worth watching if you – uh, get the chance again with volleyball kind of switching back to that double header format that I talked about with Brian Smaller makes it a little tougher because there's not that midweek game but if you get a chance I think both teams legitimately are fun and exciting to watch uh, but we're going to get into it and we're bringing it back this year we're breaking down kind of what this game means and what we're going to be looking for this game and this segment is brought to you by the Bosco's Boys Koozies hashtag Koozies in the Wild uh, when we first got koozies, we made you pay for them. Then we were making you guys do uh, ratings and reviews, yada, yada, yada. Then we said retweet stuff. Basically, if you want a koozie, I'm eating the cost to buy these and ship them out. I want people to have Bosco's Boys koozies. I might ask you to do ratings and review. I might ask you to retweet the show. But if you want a Bosco's Boys koozie, I guarantee you can do something to get them. So we're sponsored by hashtag koozies in the wild. Make sure you bring them to Arlington. Use the hashtag, tweet us pictures all morning and all trip down Texas. Bring your koozie. All right, let's get into it. Um, these are just my bullet points. Feel free to comment on them. Feel free to interject. Do whatever you want, Grant. But the first thing I really put in there was, can they kick off this season with a bang? Because you and I, I, I mean, I almost didn't want to do post-game podcasts for Iowa State in Texas, and I'm the dude who's obsessed with putting out a show every single Monday, which we have done now for over two and a half years, and we've been going at this for over three years strong. Um, it, it just hurt. Like it, it was painful to watch K-State football at the end of last year, uh, and you know there were reasons for it. Completely different team, especially on defense from what we saw at the end of last season, but I think with the general fan strife and downtroddenness about the future of the conference, the angst with moving this game, and then also how last season ended. If you don't win this game, I, I maybe it's hyperbolic, but you might be looking at one of the, one of if not the lowest point in fan, uh, you know, approval level in the climbing era. Um, what do you think? Like, if if we lose this game, do you think there will? Do you think there was a time last year that fans would have been lower than what we're going to be? No, I really don't. Um, because last year you had the caveat of COVID that you could basically lean on every time. Um, and every game was different. There was new nuance to basically every game last year. And it was at its core, um, you know, driven by COVID, the narrative of COVID. And it just affected our roster so deeply that I think most coaches get pretty much a clear pass from last season for me. Um, that doesn't mean that last year was perfect and that we didn't make some mistakes along the way. Uh, there's games we dropped that we should not have, but um, this would be a major kick in the nuts uh, to come out with a loss. Um, yeah. And, and I say that all about, you know, I say all that stuff about COVID kind of wiping the slate clean for last season, but we have still lost five straight games. And it's in the record books. And, you know, no matter what, no matter what way you look at it, we lost five, we lost our last five games of the season. And 
to kind of reverse that trend and get that bad taste out of our mouth, I think will be very important for the players, for the fans, for the coaching staff. But uh, I mean, I kind of see this as like a must win. Cause I just, of course I see everything as a must win. I get pretty dramatic about everything. Is Oklahoma but, a must win? Uh, in Arlington. Yeah. When we, when we meet them again, yes. Um, Cause we gotta, we gotta add to our trophy cabinet, but uh, I, this would do a lot of damage, I think, because there is a lot of climbing detractors already. Uh, there was a lot of climbing detractors before he coached a single minute for K-State and a lot of them will kind of run away with it um, and they're not going to look at the season, big picture season as a whole. They're, I mean, sure, we could lose. We could absolutely start 0-1 and then, you know, mirror kind of what happened last year and have an excellent, you know, next four games start off hot in the Big 12, have some big upsets. It's, it's po- like that's possible. And if you look in, at the past, you know, it's not the end of the world to lose non-con the reality is, I mean, not my reality. Some people's reality is my reality is we're going to be going to the playoff this year. So it would be a pretty devastating loss uh, to lose early in the non-con. But, you know, if you look at the past, um, you know, we lost to Marshall in 2003 and we went and, you know, beat the shit out of Oklahoma in the big 12 championship and ended up in a BCS bowl. So it's so early. If you want to lose, if you want to lose, you want to lose early as hell. So but I do think that it would be very toxic for the climate narrative. I 100% that would be a nightmare. Yeah. I think if I rewrote uh, the blitz month question, the pendulum game, I would say, what's the fan pendulum pendulum game. And what is the internal pendulum game? Because you said Stanford was the pendulum game. I said, Oklahoma state, I stick to like, if you're looking at, you know, a season's pendulum game. I have a hard time, like really truly making an argument for it being a non-conference game. But if you look at it from a fan perspective, because of all the things I laid out and you brought up a great point, all the climbing detractors who kind of went away for a little bit, you know, after the first year, you know, they popped up with some of those disappointing losses, the bowl game, the late loss to Texas, the puzzling game versus West Virginia. And then they were all over the place with that Arkansas State game. Then they went dormant, and then they have been running wild for, you know, a good long time. You lose this game, you have so (laughs) many different segments of the fan base. You have the climbing detractors, the gene haters. Like, it is going to be very toxic, and I think it will be the low point in the climbing era when it comes to fan support. Um, So I I think that was a great point that you brought up. so I want to address just the very first part of that. Can they come, can they kick off the season with a bang? Yeah. I yeah. personally have more faith in, um, you know, climbing, a climbing program, having a team ready to come out and perform than I do in the past. Um, you know, namely it's like Snyder 2.0. All the times we came explain out. explain Arkansas State then? All the COVID. I mean, how many players were we missing? That, that I mean, game? a handful. Like, it, I mean, a lot of like pretty crucial yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're um, losing depth, depth on the defense. Like, again, I, I understand that, but I, I think, and Arkansas State had played the week before. And I think that legitimately has a bearing. Um, and I might, like, I might be we trying had to make no, this... We had no spring ball. Um, we had just, we had very limited, like, actual practices completed. And, you know, we've learned now that the coaches basically had no contact with the players outside of the practices anyway. So, again, I, maybe that's an excuse, but 
I'm talking like games where it's like a relatively big stage where we come out um, just and lay an egg and do everything possible to lose the game. I don't anticipate that happening. Um, I don't know. And maybe this is just total bullshit, but I have more, I have more faith in, in a climbing team with, which has a lot of experience um, in key positions to come out ready to play. And, you know, they, they've, they've got something to prove. So I feel pretty good about it. I think we will start with the bank. Right. The, the next thing I have on there, and it's going to be the debut of a lot of pieces we are going to be depending on this year. Timmy Horn, Julius Brents, uh, you know, Russ Yeast, uh, the sauce boss, Reggie Stubblefield, although I think his real coming out party is going to be Southern Illinois, Nevada, and then uh, Daniel Matterbebe. You know, if the, if the transfers have a big showing and a win, I think folks across the nation start to think, okay, the ceiling is going to get higher. And I'm going to take it a step further. It kind of validates the recruiting strategy for Coach Kleiman moving forward. We've, we've basically seen that the high school recruiting class for this upcoming year, for the, for the most part, they're still chasing some guys, but for the most part, they're almost ticked and tied for the 2021 class because then they're saving spots to go after transfers. Right? And you can throw Tyrone Howell in there too because they're starting to sniff around some of the local JUCOs as well. If all of a sudden Brent's gets cooked, Timmy Horn's getting dominated in the trenches. Uh, a matter baby has a drop and then he barely gets on the field. The sauce boss is off on the side, like, you know, getting his NFL draft profile ready. You know, if all these things happen, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh God, we're fucked this season. And this is Kleiman's entire, not entire, but that's a massive, that's 40% of his recruiting strategy moving forward. So you know, I'm not going to hit the panic button publicly game one. I might spaz out a little bit at, on the recap show, but internally I'm, I'm going to be worried a little bit because we're putting a lot of stock in winning the transfer portal moving forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, on paper though, man, I think majority of those transfers, they did a very good job. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That will be a little bit um, unsettling to see if they just have a nightmare game. But what are the odds of that? I think I think these are good players, and I think they're going to perform. I mean, the the um, odds of all of them tanking like, just just being next horrible. To zero. Yeah, next to zero. Stubblefield doing some Devonte Derricott shit on the sideline. No, yeah. it's, I, the I just bo- no the sauce boss is all in, dude. The sauce boss is one of the most emo dudes on Twitter, which is amazing. Like exactly been, that's what i'm been saying here for like three three months Derricot, like, dude i, I know but but like he at least made it to week one yeah um i think that um i don't know man i mean those guys clearly are a pretty big part of like the you know backbone and core of this roster so it would be really disheartening if they you know didn't have a good showing but i don't anticipate that i think we've seen plenty of See playing game tape from you know Amater Bebe. As long as that dude's healthy, he's gonna make plays. He's super talented. I think Timmy Horn, if he's like, I, I doubt he'll just get dominated. But if he does, then you know, next man up. I, I just and that's the thing. Like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like transfers they do come with a bit of risk, but 
I just feel like you're more, it's more likely that you're going to get good production out of them, especially when they've got, you know, tangible experience in like film that you can draw from at this level. So I feel pretty good about it. And I trust people that, you know, I trust our ability to like scout specific talent. So if they like these guys, then I like these guys. We're going to be, they're going to ball. Let's just, uh, let's just, let's be positive. I know, getting but, too uh, close to Saturday. Let's be positive. That's fine. I, I mean, you know, it's part, it's part of our, you know, preview show. So the next thing I had on here is Skyler's coming back for that super senior season. How's he start off his campaign? He left a lot of fans wanting more in the opener last year, which again, I'm not going to really get into because that led to like me getting in some of the most social media fights I ever have in my life. Um, but for, for better or worse, that's kind of part of his legacy. I think he's unfairly seen as this hot or cold quarterback when I actually think uh, he, he's incredibly consistent. I think you know what you're going to get. And I think the inconsistency is like, oh, man, he can have like a higher level. I think you have a baseline of yeah. a decent quarterback. I think you have a ceiling of, hey, he is an upper tier Big 12 quarterback. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but guess what? It's, it's our show. It's, it's our show. We can say what we want. But is he going to start hot and stay hot and continue to build on his legacy? Or is he going to become another, you know, trigger point amongst K-State fans after this game? So that's what I'm going to have my eye on. What are you expecting out of Skyler in this first game? Actually, I think you're going to talk about Skyler a little bit later. So I might, but also okay, just I, touch on I, may, I may change um, – I may change that's my fine. key to be, but, but, but touch on Skyler. What do you expect? Honestly, from like that's a great question. Um, coach said it himself that he doesn't expect any rust from Skyler, but I think that's just like him hyping up his team and that's coach speak. I wouldn't be, I mean, surely there's going to be some sort of rust. Um, but then again, where would the rust be just like in gameplay? Cause he's a six year you know, quarterback. So the game should be as slow for him as it's ever going to be. And, you know, as, as far as like timing and his actual like passing touch accuracy, all that stuff, I agree. I think he's incredibly consistent with that. And you know what you're going to get? Um, what I need is more consistency from the wide receivers. I need when, you know, Courtney Messingham draws up a perfectly scripted play and we got a guy wide open, then it's going to be six not to drop the fucking ball. I need my wide receivers to be basically doing the goddamn minimum that's asked of them and be catching those balls because it always ends up coming back on Skyler, and it's very frustrating. But I expect Skyler to be Skyler. Um, I think he's going to leave it all on the field. He's not going to be perfect, but he's he's going to he's going to do more than enough to win the football game. That's my that's my opinion. I think you're probably going to be correct. Um, let's move into it. Another one, which I think is going to be a little bit unfair, but it is going to be the fan and maybe media narrative is <laughs> will Deuce Vaughn basically jumpstart another Heisman, uh, you know, uh, even if it is a little tongue in cheek, a Heisman type campaign or folks are going to be saying he's on a sophomore slump. Again, it's not going to be that black and white, but he is the national focal point of the offense. When you listen to the solid verbal, you listen to any of the ESPN or Fox or athletic or any national college football podcast, which doesn't give a fuck about you listen to your K state local podcasts and radio shows, but that's who they talk about. They talk about Deuce Vaughn. They don't talk about anyone else. So I think that's leaking into the fans because you and I both are high on Joe Irvin. Uh, you're especially high on Malik Knowles. We both love Skylar Thompson. 
Um, so it's not that black and white, but I think that is going to be kind of the narrative, especially from a national and some of like the uh, kind of crazy fan perspective of, okay, what is Deuce Vaughn going to be? So um, what are you expecting out of that game one? And of course, it's unfair to either say sophomore <laughs> slump or a Heisman campaign. I'm not, I'm not asking you to really comment on that, but what, what do you expect from him in that first game? And do you think there are going to be enough fans who look at whatever his game is rationally? And also, I reserve the right to say if he rushes for 150 and receives for another 100 and scores four touchdowns, I am 100% going to start a Deuce Vaughn for Heisman.com website. So I'm not above it. I'm just trying to go into it a little bit more level-headed. Yeah. And, you know, he's the focal point nationally for our team because he's earned it. You know, he's that talented and he's that electric. I think we're going to see similar production from him this year. No doubt the game might be a little tougher for him because he's going to be the focal point of the defense. He's going to be the focus of the defense um, rather, but you know, he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit stronger this year. He's a little bit faster. And I think he's got more experience in the system. The game is going to be a little slower for him. So I think it'll kind of even out and Deuce is just going to be Deuce. Um, I'm excited to see. I mean, like, I really believe that we are going to just get, like, Deuce is going to be Deuce. Well, I'm more excited, honestly, to see the players around him and what they're going to contribute. You know, Joe Irvin, how is he going to take this role um, and run with it? How is he going to take the pressure off Deuce? How is Malik going to be? How are the other wide receivers going to step up um, to, to so that Deuce can – be himself and just find that open space. So I have a lot of faith in him. He's like insanely mature. His hands are unbelievably good. And um, did he fumble last year? I'm knocking on wood because I don't want to see like a Darren Sproles senior type year where he's just horrendous and fumbles every time he gets hit, but which is a little harsh on Sproles, but um, I have a, a lot of faith in Deuce Vaughn and I think, you know, he'll get his, He'll get his stats on on Saturday. Yep. God, it's crazy. On Sat, we can say on Saturday. On Saturday. Oh, I just got Woo. goosebumps. Crazy. Uh, the final thing that I have on my list, you can add anything uh, here. Can the defense bounce back from r- such a rough end to the season? Uh, it's you know a different offense. Or, sorry, it's going to basically be a different defense than what we saw at the end of last year. Um, but are they going to be able to? cause havoc are they going to be able to cause turnovers they're going to be able to prevent big plays again i think that and i fell into this trap a little bit more and i think it's probably kind of being guided by me being unfair to will howard but you know ultimately k-state on some of those per drive and per play stats they were the fourth best offense in the big 12 last year the offense wasn't the issue it was the defense so you know, are they going to be able to bounce back? Is this transfer experiment going to work? Are you going to be able to see, you know, Cody Fletcher and Daniel Green make those steps up? Are you going to be able to see one of those defensive ends make a leap? You know, are the transfers going to live up to the hype? Um, so I, I'm a little nervous. I mean, I, I would, I would be demoralized if we like lost that game. You know, 38 to 31. Like I would, I would cry. I probably I wouldn't. Cry, I will I would be, be so fucking devastated. I would be if we lose Saturday. I would God be pissed. Damn. But if you lose it like that because the defense just isn't up to this up to it, 
Because again, I think Stanford's offense by the end of the year is going to be pretty good. Once they land on a quarterback, once they kind of find their groove, I think they're going to be a good offense. I think they will probably go over that three and a half Vegas yeah. win total over under. Hopefully it's not versus us, but I, I they're capable. They're capable of scoring. So I'm very nervous. And I, I think that would be what would be most devastating to me. If it's like a grind out loss, 24, 21, where both teams are running the ball and they're, you know, we're chewing up clock, you know, I could stomach that. But if we put up 31 points, still found a way to lose, I, I would be just devastated. Honestly, I, you know, Saturday, I think they will no doubt, you know, be up to be up to the level. Um, I mean, this is as healthy as we're going to be all year. It's as fresh as we're going to be. We're in Jerry world. We've got a chip on our shoulder. We've got something to prove that defense is going to be ready to compete with anyone on this first game, especially our first line defensive players. You know, what I worry a little bit about is our play caller. I, um, I think we still don't really know if Klanderman, what type of coordinator Klanderman is, um, his situational play calling was really suspect um, at times last year. So, you know, and he didn't have to, to defend him a little bit. He didn't have the player pool to pull from that he would have liked, but ultimately I trust the players this Saturday. Um, I think our one line across the board is really has potential to be really good, but uh, will they be put in the right positions? I don't know that that is yet to be seen. So we will see. Definitely. All right. Is there anything you want to add to this before we get to the keys to me? No, let's get into it. All right. Keys to be this week is sponsored by the honorary Bosco and touchdown program. Bosco, the dog is not coming back in any official capacity. And I don't think they're ever going to bring back touchdown the Bobcat. But if you DM me pictures of your dog at Scott Wildcat or at Bosco's boys or cat on Friday of game week, I might just feature them on the Twitter account as the honorary Bosco or touchdown of the week, send a DM to Bosco's boys or Scott Wildcat to have your little boy or girl dog or cat featured on our Twitter feed. All right, let's get into it. Keys to V they're back. We're going to grade these four. all the review shows. Grant kick us off. What is the first key to V of the 2021 football season? No pressure. You know, I initially, my first key to V was going to be to protect the ball, but you know, I still stand by that. We better be protecting the ball very well on Saturday. But mine is going to be to dictate a line of scrimmage. Um, Stanford may not be the Stanford that they were 45 years ago, but they still have – they're still going to have a very formidable offensive line, and we cannot let them get comfortable. We cannot let them get into a, a groove. You know, it's a unit that David Shaw has has said is could be one of the best in the nation, and that's probably some coach speak – sprinkled in there but i trust david shaw i think he's a very good coach and he has a good track record of having some very good offensive lines um yes they lost two from last season some of their best but they're according to fan they're going to average 316 pounds across their five projected starter which is a pretty damn big line so our you know in order for us defensively to you know kind of keep them at bay we have got to win the line of scrimmage battle and also, offensively, we've heard so much chatter about this offensive line and how good they, you know, may be. 
And we know that the identity, what the identity of uh, Chris Kleiman program wants to be. We know how Connor Riley wants to dominate that line of scrimmage. If this offense is going to function how we want it to, if we're going to get the best out of our weapons, um, Deuce Vaughn, Joe Irvin, Jacardier Wright, if Skyler's going to need that time to throw, then our offensive line has to perform well. Anytime that we have struggled in the climate era, it's because our offensive line cannot get in a groove. And it's an absolute critical, you got to win the trenches have to win it on Saturday because if we don't, it's going to come down to the wire and uh, we may not like how it ends. I agree with you on those and climate specifically called out Stanford's ability on the defensive line of the ball. So they're super good with their hands. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little worried about the Stanford defensive line. If I'm being honest. I think that's fair. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, my first key to be is going to be come out hot on offense and defense. I have a feeling that if this team gets going, consistently plays with emotion, they're going to ride with momentum. So if you get out to a hot start, I actually think there's a small, very small chance they could run away with this game. On the other side of it, I think that if this team gets down early, I think they're going to need like an individual play. Someone just to pop and change the momentum. Otherwise they might be toast. So it's going to be a two-way street, um, but really coming out hot, playing with emotion, that's going to be a massive thing for me. Yeah, totally agree. I would love to start hot just for my own mental health. Um, we can't, uh, let's just take, let's just, let's uh, house the kickoff. You know what I'm saying? That would be nice. Start off 7-0. 10 seconds into the game. I actually didn't um, kick off, so. Well, you know, if we're returning. Okay, how about this? Kick off, they decide to take it back, and we, uh, Darwin Thompson, it, except this time we don't hesitate and take it in. Do you know right. the reference I'm talking about? No. I think it was Darwin Thompson. Um, the Texans come back when uh, they were returning a kick. Guy fumbled into Darwin oh, yeah, Thompson's yeah, yeah, hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he just, like, didn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, let's okay. do that instead, but we will know what to do. And we'll run it in. Anyways, my second key to V, let Skyler be Skyler. Guys, six-year veteran quarterback who is my overall team MVP. Just let the man play his game, which includes using his legs. Don't use him as a battering ram, but I think the odds of him, you know, and knocking on wood here, um, getting knocked out of the season on a cheap shot that was, you know, late and just a vicious hit, I think that's pretty low. Um, Skyler is at his very best when you let him kind of do his thing when you do use his legs. So, um, it just kind of opens everything up for everybody makes the defense second guess. And, um, I think he's, I think he's poised for a big year. I hope so. My final key to V is win on special teams. Like we talked about at the top, there's a little bit of uncertainty who's going to be handling kickoffs, place kicking and punting. Whoever is booting the ball needs to be good, and then we need to dominate in coverage and in the return game. Those have been staples of K-State as long as we can remember. And Stanton Weber, who has been a big part of those special teams as a GA and analyst, he's at South Carolina now. He isn't helping with special teams anymore. There's no Sickening. one from – what? Sickening that he would yeah. leave us. I mean, I think he took a – like actually like paying job. So, I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> 
I don't blame him. But there's no one from the Snyder tree handling special teams or helping special teams anymore. So can they stay excellent in special teams? I think yes, but it is going to be something I have my eye on. So those are our keys to be. Now it's still been, you know, I know, yes, the Snyder tree is gone, but we still been, how, how much was he really, you know, influenced? No, I mean, again, still I, don't, had, you know? I don't know. That's kind of why it's like a key to be. It's something I'm going to really have my eye. So, I mean, we'll see. All right, let's get into these predictions. I'm running a little low on time. So let's, okay, let's, yeah, let, let's get into them. Spotify Green Room, they are a sponsor of our prediction segment. Remember, we are going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Spotify Green Room. Downloading the Apple iOS or Android App Store and join us. Keep in mind, it isn't just us, there are hundreds of rooms. Always going, including athletes, journalists, insider celebrities. And just a couple of weeks ago, the original cast of Gossip Girl was on there. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't. I'd be lying if I said I didn't listen in. All right, Pickham is back this season. And we are keeping score. Grant won the first year. I won the second year. Last year, we didn't keep track. But we are this year. The Boneheads are back in the game doing Twitter polls. We will always do all Big 12 games. The ESPN College Game Day Game and the Fox Big Noon kickoff, along with others, to round out 15 games a week. I just had to check one more because it was very close. Let's get into it. We're starting with the Big 12 game. KU versus South Dakota, 7 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. The Boneheads are picking the Coyotes 63 to 27%. <laughs> what are you going with, Grant? I don't know anything about South Dakota. I am going to pick KU. Um, I think they'll get off to – a one and a start. I, I think Lance has this team at least a little bit more competent across the board. Um, I think they're going to be dog shit the rest of the year, but I do think they get away with a win here. All right. And we'll try to alternate back and forth, at least until scores start coming out uh, between you and me. I'm going with KU also. Oklahoma t- hosts uh, Tulane due to hur- Hurricane Ida. So just keep in mind, Spencer Rattler's first home or road game this year and first ever true road game with the pack crowd is going to be in Manhattan, Oklahoma, only playing four true road games this year. One of them is KU uh, boneheads 92 to eight going with Oklahoma. I'm going Oklahoma. No need. Oh, you're yeah. going Oklahoma in a renewal of a rivalry. West Virginia is at Maryland, two thirty on ESPN boneheads on the Mountaineers, 85 to 15%. I'm taking West Virginia, but I am shocked how, bullish the boneheads are this is going to be a close game but i'm going west virginia who do you have i've got west virginia too and i agree that's a really weird vote yeah but hey it is what it is uh 330 espn plus iowa state are hosting their big brothers that are the northern iowa (laughs) panthers the boneheads are going cycling 76 to 24 i have iowa state but guys i mean it would not shock me and it will be close at halftime that's just the way things go i assume you have iowa state as much as you might not like it I do. Iowa State. Okie dokie. 3.30 on Fox. This is our closest game of this first round with the Boneheads. It is the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana coming to Austin, Texas. This is a ranked matchup. The Boneheads went with the Raging Cajuns, 51-49. to I have Texas. I think it's going to be close, but I think Texas wins. What are you going with? Ah, man. I'm not convicted about this, but I do want to have some fun and pick a bigger upset. I'm going with Louisiana. Um, that's a good team. They returned like 16 of their starters. Right. So um, I don't, I'm not a much of a believer in Texas this season. I think they're going to have a, you know, 
seven and five type year. I wish we had them. So early. me too, but man, beating them on black Friday is going to be very fun. So I, I'm going with Louisiana. All right. In the Texans NRG stadium in Houston, Texas, Texas tech takes on big 12 expansion candidate, Houston, the boneheads big on Houston, 61 to 39, not that surprising seeing how much the boneheads hate Texas tech over five and a half. <laughs> I agree. They're not going over five and a half. I'll let you pick this game first. Who do you have Houston or Texas tech? I don't know shit about Houston. Um, I'm going to go with tech for some reason. All right, I, have, bone. I have Houston just because again, I, I, I think Texas tech, one of my biggest locks is Texas tech under five and a half. If they win this one, one, I'm, you know, a little bit nervous. Let me pull up the line for that one just real quick. ESPN. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I just don't think. Honestly, I, I, I wish I would. I'm not going to. I'm not going to switch it up. I'm not going to switch it up. Uh, ESPN football power index has Texas Tech 64% of the time winning. They're a one point favorite. So. So really, I mean, it's it could go either way. It could um, go either way, but me and the Boneheads are together. Um, all right. We'll go Oklahoma State versus Missouri State, ESPN 6 p.m. Boneheads have the Cowboys. I assume we both have the Cowboys. Fun fact, Bobby Petrino, if I remember correctly, is actually the coach at Missouri State, so that's kind of wild. Um, that is wild. <laughs> Baylor on the road in San Marcos, I think, or I don't know, some city near Austin versus Texas Tech or Texas State. ESPN plus 6 p.m. Boneheads, ha- Boneheads have the Bears 83% to 17%. This is a road game, and I imagine the entire student population of Texas State is going to be in that stadium. Are you going to pick the upset? I think Baylor's going to be dog shit, but isn't Texas State just, like, notoriously bad? Yeah, they're not. So I think that Baylor's going to win. I pick Baylor. All right, this is going to be a fun game. On college game day in Charlotte, North Carolina, on ABC, Clemson, who only has six home games all year, takes on Georgia. The Boneheads have Clemson 56% to 44%. I'm going with Georgia. Grant, what are you going with? I'm taking the dogs, too. I don't really know why. Um you know, Clemson, you know, Clemson has a new quarterback, place. which yeah. is tough. I think he started like do. one or two games last year when, and Lawrence I'm sure he's unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I like Clemson, but I, I, I'm taking Georgia to, yep. uh, as a shout out to Andrew. All right. Go dogs. Woof, woof, woof. Thursday night, Fox Thursday night, Ohio state goes to many Minnesota. I'm going to be watching this before the USA's first World Cup qualifier. The Buckeyes, 90% over P.J. Fleck rowing the boat. I have Ohio State. I assume you do, too. You don't seem like a P.J. Fleck guy. Um, I'm going with Ohio State. I think they are insanely good. Friday Night Lights on ESPN. Virginia Virginia Tech has a mile-long walk from their locker room to play North Carolina – the Boneheads have the Tar Heels 74% to 26%. Do you have that inter-Sandman magic running through your veins, Grant? Under the lights, Virginia Tech famous for playing those, you know, Thursday and Friday night games on ESPN. Are you going with I'm, the Hokies? I'm taking the Hokies. Um, Whoa! Did I talk you into that or were you always Yeah, you totally did. You totally <laughs> did. I Well, I could – 
like a month ago, I watched a old Virginia Tech Nebraska game. That one, I think it was from, I can't remember what year it was, but it was an incredible ending. I think it had uh, Taylor as uh, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, and uh, it was very fun. So I enjoyed it. Tech beat Nebraska in a very funny way. So I'll give it to I'll give it to Virginia Tech. That's my logic. It's not very good, but I'm going with UNC. Yeah. No real baby reason. blues. Big noon Saturday, Penn State at Wisconsin. Boneheads have the Badgers 66% to 34%. I'm also rocking with Bucky Badger. Are you going with the child molesters up at Penn State? Or are you going with Wisconsin? no? I'll take the home team there. Jump around. Jump around. All right, last national game before we get into it. LSU heads to UCLA for a 7.30 game. UCLA giving away free tickets to any high school student and college student inside Los Angeles. The Boneheads, big with Coach O, 79% to 21%. Ready for this one? UCLA, they played a week one game. This is LSU's first game. I'm going with the upsets. I'm going with the UCLA Bruins. Taking the Tigers, I think they absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, fuck the Pac-12, but also fuck the, fuck the SEC way more. But uh, I, I got LSU on this one. Okay, and the game we've all been waiting for, the All-State Kickoff Classic in Arlington on Fox Sports 1 at 11 a.m. You're fighting Kansas State Wildcats, taking on the receiving votes, Stanford Cardinal of the Pac-12. Boneheads feeling very confident. This might have been their most confident pick it was. Boneheads with 96% of the votes over Stanford. Grant, give me a game prediction. Give me a score as well, just for the hell of it. Uh, super nervous. Um, just baseline, though. That's, you know, it's, it's week one. And I, I am scared. But I've got the Cats winning. We start 1-0. Scoreline, I think we put up some points. I got us a 34-28 Cats win. So I'm looking it up just to uh, just to see because I was doing something with our friend Hank, and I sent in a, uh, sent in a uh, prediction. I'm trying to see. Oh, my gosh, where is it? Where is it? I thought I did it. Oh man, here I am. Cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a better job this year, trying to do a better job this year and actually staying consistent with my picks, but I might not, I might've lost it. I'm going 34 to 27 cats. Oh, I okay. I don't, I don't think, uh, yeah, I can't find it. I'm going 34-27 cats. <laughs> I think it's going to be close. I don't think the defense is going to be quite fixed, but that is what I'm going with. I'm going with You just 34. had to prices right me with your score. Sorry, what did you say? You just had to prices right me with your no, score. No, no, what was your score again? 34-28. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, all right. all right. Well, I'll go 31-27. Uh, hey, we're on the same wavelength. Let's do it. Okay, 34-27. Yeah, so we're both – in that kind of nail-biting range. Although I'm going to say that Sanford scores a touchdown late. It's not quite I as... was going to say that too, oh I swear to God. God. But I We've like been it. doing I this like too where long together. I like where we're at. Cats <laughs> cats by six or seven, um, but in control. Honestly, I like it. 
when when I imagine doing this episode, I, I imagine me saying cats or Stanford six, cats ninety six, and going cats by ninety. So that's on me. Uh, I screwed that right. one up, but it is what it is. Okay, that is the Stanford uh, preview. Again, if you have a good dog or good cat, send it into Scott Wildcat or the Bosco's Boys Twitter account to be featured as a honorary Bosco or touchdown. Uh, remember, bring your koozies down to Arlington. I want to see a bunch of pictures. I want to see, you know, 10, 20 pictures from folks with their koozies down in Arlington and join us tomorrow. Actually, tonight, if you're listening to this on release day, tonight on Spotify Green Room, downloading the Apple iOS store and the Android app store. Grant, any final words before, uh, you know, you give a give a little catchphrase? Folks, we made it. We made it through a COVID year. We at least know damn well that we get one regular game this year. I think it's going to be more than that, but we know for sure that we get Stanford with full capacity. So let's just enjoy it. The squad is looking healthy. Um, I haven't been this excited in a really, really long time. Uh, Let's just all do our best to enjoy the highs and lows on Saturday because, you know, we can't take this for granted. Um, We know what it was like the last year and how much it sucked to not be normal. So, I'm going to enjoy it as much as possible. And I say, I agree with you. Let's tweet those koozies. I want to see as many koozies as I possibly can. Are you um, going to take one it, down there? I was going to give you the new one. Today. I know. I, I know. Uh, yeah. I will take what I have and I will, I will tweet it from inside Jerry world. And Hey, if you can't make it down, tweet it from wherever the hell you're yes. watching it anyways. Cause I want love, to see them all over the place. Love the timeline. Hashtag koozies in the wild. We love everyone except for Iowa State fans, Oklahoma, Texas, ESPN, The Athletic, Stanford, the Pac-12. I think – is that everyone on our hate list? Anyone else? I, I don't like KU very Oklahoma much. Oklahoma or Texas. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, Their uniforms are actually kind of cool. Yeah, they were. But, um, Cats, we loved you. Thank you for uh, listening. And um, meet me at the Cat Head. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.